Good morning. So glad to be here with you guys this morning and so glad to open this word with you. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in Mark 11. If you can't see it, uh, it's kind of dark in here. We'll have it on the screens in the back. Um, But man, just so glad to be here with you guys this morning and so excited just to dig into this. Um, I'll be honest, I'm like excited and intimidated because I I know what I'm about to to say and you will in a moment. And um, man, I just... I know the human tendency this morning is for me to soften this or to to lessen this or to pull back on this, and I just don't want to do that. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pray this morning, and I just want you to pray for me. I've been in my head about this all morning because it's it's uh, so powerful and yet so unbelievable um, this morning. And um, anyway. Uh, you just pray for me, and, and I'm going to pray for me, and if you don't want to pray for me, just pray for you, I guess, and, and it'll be okay, but um, let's pray. Father, this morning, I need you. God, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to water this down. God, as I even was studying it last night, there's just this temptation to, to pull back on these words, and I don't want to pull back on these words. You said it, so you believe it. Help me to believe it. God, this morning, um, I'll mess this up if you don't do it. So I'm just trusting you to do it. And if, God, I'm not going to listen, I don't want to say anything. So, God, just move. God, if nobody else gets it this morning, selfishly, I just I want to get this. So, God, just move in me. And I um, love you. Amen. Um, I pray a lot. I know maybe if you've not been around, you're like, well, you just prayed, and he prayed again, and that's weird. Um, if you've met me, you know that um, I'm, I'm not capable of this. This is an amazing um, word and responsibility that, that we hold, and I'm just some guy, um, I'm, I'm just a nerdy guy, uh, <laughs> and uh, I know that because I've done it before, uh, it's not really fun to stand up here and to just talk without God doing something, and um, I don't, I don't want to just stand up here and talk, so... Um, I'm just relying on him today and, and every day, and I pray a lot because I, I need it, and I need him. Um, so this morning, we're going to be in Mark 11, and we're going to start a new series um, this morning called Anything, and I think maybe we have a graphic for that, and I don't, I don't usually do graphics. Maybe there is one, possibly. It'll come up if there is. You'll see it. Um, but, but anything um, in the graphic is, is posed as a question coming maybe. It's up there? It's up there? I was thinking it would be. Um, posed as a question because we, we see Jesus uh, so many times in the Bible say these things, uh, in anything you ask in my name, I'll give you. And we're going to talk about prayer for the next couple of weeks because um, I just believe in the power of prayer, but I don't know that I believe in the power of prayer like that. Do I really believe today that 
anything I ask in Jesus' name that, that Jesus will do. Do I really believe that? And, and do we really believe that? And I, th- I think for most of us, we, we would say, I know how to pray. If you've been around church probably more than once, you, you know how to pray. At least put some words together that someone would recognize as a prayer. I'm not talking about, you know, the, oh, Lord, thou art holy stuff. Just, hey, God, this, right? Most of us know how to string some words together and and. and talk to God. Most of us would even even say that prayer is important, probably. We believe prayer is an in, important thing, and, and, and maybe even a lot of us would say that we believe prayer is a powerful thing, but I don't know that we pray like we believe prayer is a powerful thing. Do we? God bless this food to our bodies. What's that even mean, Right? I'm probably going to keep going, you know, like, I don't, I don't know what your meal looks like that you feel the need to, God, don't let this kill me, right? I've prayed that over some stuff before, but I don't know what blesses food to our bodies means. Um, or, God, wake me up in the morning. For most of us, that's probably a reality, right? Like, just statistically, we're probably going to get up tomorrow. And are those even really powerful prayers? So for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what Jesus and the Word says about prayer. We're going to start that today in Mark 11. Now you know I have the human ability to pull back from the text today. And in Mark, or the Gospel of Mark, we... See that it's this narrative, this story of Jesus' life, and it's written by a man named Mark. Now, if you know anything about the disciples, and I'll be honest, I would have a really hard time naming all 12. Um, Mark was not one of those. Um, Mark was not a disciple, um, but he, he was a follower of Jesus, and he was a follower of Jesus that, that was trained and brought up by Peter, who was a disciple of Jesus. And then these stories that Mark has written down for us aren't accounts written down hundreds of years after the death of Jesus, but they were stories told to Mark from Peter. And then Mark wrote them down as he heard these stories and preserved them um, for us. And for me, that's amazing because what we see here is an eyewitness account, not of Mark, but of Peter. You know, the guy who walked on water, Peter, the guy who said, hey, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. That guy, also don't want to leave this out, the guy who denied Jesus right before he went to the cross, but has now came back and he's, he's, he's following Jesus and he's building up the church and he's training a man named Mark. So this is the gospel written down by Mark, but from the point of view of a man named Peter. And in 11, we see that it's getting near the end of Jesus' life, that he's about to go to the cross, and there's some cool stories that happen here, the triumphal entry being one of those, but we're going to focus today on kind of a weird story, starting about verse 12, where Jesus curses a fig tree. I've always just kind of looked at this as one of the weirder stories in the, in the gospel, to be honest. It seems strange. Um, if you've never read it, Jesus is hungry. He's going into the city, and, and he sees this fig tree. And, and this fig tree is full of leaves, and he, he's, he's thinking, I'm going to go to the fig tree. I'm going to 
gets some fruit, and he goes, and there's no figs on the fig tree. Um, and Jesus curses the fig tree, and the fig tree withers and never has fruit again, which is exactly what the curse was, that this fig would never have fruit again. And you look at that, and you're like, man, that's weird. Did Jesus like have a temper tantrum? Was Jesus hangry? What's happening when, when we see this? Um, because why in the world would Jesus feel it necessary to curse a fig tree? That sounds so un-Jesus-like to me. Like, just did he not know, right? Like, if he knows everything, did he not know the fig tree would not have figs? It even says in the story that it's out of season, that it would be unusual for this tree to have figs this time of year. So Jesus goes to the tree, and, and we could be like, well, Jesus didn't know it wasn't going to have figs. Well, for Jesus to know everything, Jesus had to know it wasn't going to have figs. What Jesus is not doing in these moments is having a hangry fit and, and getting mad at a tree and then cursing the tree. It's kind of like punching your car door after you slam your hand in it, right? Like, it doesn't make sense, like ripping the paper after it gives you a cut. Like, that's what we maybe read this as, but that's not at all what Jesus is doing. He's showing these disciples kind of a parable, this object lesson through this tree. See, the tree has a, a lot of promise. It should have fruit on it. It has leaves out of season. It's already like a, a supernatural kind of event. The, the fig tree shouldn't even have leaves. And he, and, he, and he sees this fig tree and it has leaves out of season and there's so much promise and it looks like we're going to have fruit. And, and he goes to it and, and it, it looks good, but there's no fruit on it. So much promise, but, but no fruit. And, and Jesus curses this tree, but really what he, what he does when he curses the tree is he just allows the tree to continue to do what the tree's already doing, right? Don't ever have fruit. You don't have fruit, don't ever have fruit. And what he's doing here for the disciples is he's about to go into the city, and we're about to get into this story of how he goes into the temple, the house of God, and he starts flipping over the tables and the money changers, and there's these people selling animals at a profit, trying to make money off the sacrifices that are supposed to go to God. He's saying this is the nation of Israel. This tree's just like this people. There's so much promise here. There's so much uh, lip service to God. The, these people look like everything should be going on. They look like they should have it all together. They look, they're God's people. They have all the word of God. They've had all the prophets. And here's the son of God all sent to these people. But what we see when we look beyond the leaves, when we look beyond the disguise, when we look beyond the covering is there's no substance to this tree, there are religious people that give lip service to God, but their heart is far from God. And then God says over this tree, just keep doing what you're doing. Jesus here allows the tree to continue to look beautiful, but to have no substance. Can I just say today, that's, that's religion. I go to church, I put the church clothes on, I act good, I, I try to sing all the Christian songs and wear the Christian t-shirt. It's very possible to be a religious people, but a people that have no fruit that bears any resemblance to Christ. And the most scary thing in the world is that God would just continue to allow us to live in our religion bearing no fruit because we're not grounded in anything of substance. He goes into the 
city, walks up into the temple, this house of God where God is ordained to be his dwelling place on planet earth. And he walks in and people are making a mockery of of this. Oh, there's a lot of people in the temple, but they're not in the temple for the right reason. Their lips say, I worship God, I love God, but their heart is far from God. And Jesus says, look what you've done to my father's house. Look what you've done to my father's house. Look what religion will do to the father's house. And you see what Jesus did with the tree. He allows these people, even today, right, to be a religious people but a fruitless people. And can I just say today, that's, he's doing this in front of the disciples, not in front of Israel, because it's very possible today that in the church we do the exact same thing. I look at the church so many times and I'm like, man, we are just new Israel, full of Pharisees and Sadducees, people that memorize the book but don't live any of the book. People that look like they have a lot of promise and they wear the right thing, but there's no substance to their heart for God. It's a warning. It's not a temper tantrum. But Jesus uses this warning to teach these disciples a lesson about prayer. We see, and this is where we kind of enter the story for us today, in verse 20, that after he's overturned the money tables, Jesus goes back to the Mount of Olives. You're going to see in a couple days in the story of Jesus that he's going to go there one final time and he's going to pray um, before he goes to the cross. But he goes back to the place they've been staying all week outside of the city. They spend the night there. And it says in verse 20, early in the morning or early the next morning, apparently Jesus was a morning person, um, they were passing by this fig tree. And they, they saw the fig tree and, and it was withered. From the roots up. That's weird to me, right? Like you, you think the, the leaves would be the first thing to go and then it, it would trickle down to the root as, as a tree would die because the root's the thing closest to the nutrients, the substance. And what we see here is this tree does it the other way because, again, it's a lesson. The tree's not anchored into anything of real substance and when we're not, we will die. What he's showing us here is we got to be anchored in something other than just looking pretty and religious. We've got to be anchored in the bedrock of who Christ is. It says they were passing by this tree and it was withered from the roots up. And in 21 it said then Peter, again, who's telling the story to Mark, and Peter remembered And he said to him, he remembered what had happened the day before, how Jesus had come to the tree and he cursed the tree. And he remembered and he says to him, him being Jesus, rabbi or teacher, look, the fig tree that you cursed, it's it's withered. I love this. He he points it out to Jesus like Jesus has not noticed. Hey, Jesus, remember yesterday? I don't know if you remembered even doing this. You were kind of hangry and I didn't get any of that. And you come to this fig tree and it didn't have any figs on it. And then you curse the fig tree and you said, hey, don't produce any more fruit. And now look, the fig tree's dead. Do you remember any of that? 
He's trying to point it out to Jesus, what Jesus has done. Jesus is like, I know what I've done. Um, I just love how the Bible reads sometimes. Um, maybe you don't read it weird like me, but I'm kind of weird, so it is what it is. Um, and he says to him, Jesus, look, the fig tree that you cursed, it's, it's withered. And then here's where Jesus begins to teach. And he said, Jesus replied to them, have faith in God. Have faith in God. The whole object lesson of this fig tree is caught up in, in these words. Have faith in God. Jesus wraps up the story of the fig tree here in these moments. Have faith in God. You're like, well, how, how does that make any sense? He's talking to the most religious people on the planet. Like these people have faith in God. Yes, they have lip service to God and they believe there is a God, but they don't have this faith in God, not this kind of faith in God. And he looks at Peter and the others and he draws their attention back to the roots, the roots that they should have anchored. And he says, here's where your roots should be anchored. You got to have faith in God. If you don't have faith in God, you might be religious and you might look pretty and you might have it all together, but you're just leaves without fruit. So let's, let's look at faith real quick. We all need the same definition of faith if we're all going to work off faith for the rest of the story. Faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Now, here, here's, here's the difference today. There's a lot of people that believe God exists. There's not a lot of people that believe God I can argue with any of us later today about how it makes more sense to believe that there is a God than it does to believe there is not a God. And it says even in the Bible that the demons believe in God and they they shudder, but they don't have complete trust and confidence in God. They've not put all their trust in God or all their confidence in God. They just believe there is a God. And for some of us today, maybe like the Jewish people in this story, we believe there is a God, but we're not anchored in this trust and confidence that he is God and he can act and move in our life. There's a difference in believing there is a God and believing or putting your belief in God. And this is what he's talking about when he says, have faith in God. Anchor your roots deep in God. Plant your roots deep in the substance of not there is a God, but this God is acting and moving and working around us and in us. That this God desires a relationship with us, and we should desire a relationship with him. That's how we get, bet- that's how we get beyond a leafy tree and a tree with fruit. And he looks at Peter and the others because there's a very real danger that they could become the same thing. They've grown up in a culture that says, go to the temple, say the prayers, do the things. And Jesus in a few days is going to leave this planet and he knows that. And there's a real danger that without the presence of Jesus beside them guiding them, they can walk away from faith in God and just have a faith there is a God and be just like the other people in the room. This is a warning to them, and he looks at them, and he says, you got to have faith, complete trust and confidence in God. You don't want to end up like this tree. you got to anchor your roots down deep into God. 
And then he begins to teach them about this faith. Jesus says, I assure you. Uh, we have the definition for assure because I think we know what it is, but we don't really know what it is. It's to tell someone something positively or confidently and then beyond that to dispel any doubts they may have. So when Jesus says, I assure you, he's not just saying, I believe it. He's saying, I believe it, and because I believe it, you can believe it. I assure you, I have complete confidence in what I'm about to say, and because I have complete confidence in it, you can have complete confidence in it. That's amazing because that's going to change the rest of these verses for us this morning. I don't know if you've read ahead, if you know what's coming after this, but Jesus is looking at these guys and he's like, I believe what I'm about to say. I'm not uncertain or unsure or this kind of could happen or this maybe could happen today. I believe what I'm about to say. And if Jesus, who is God, who is the Son of God, believes the words that are about to come out of his mouth, we can today also believe the words that are about to come out of his mouth. And he looks at these guys and he says, I assure you, and then he says this, if anyone says, anyone, not some people or really talented people or really gifted people or really close people or people who have it all together or really religious people or people who read a lot or pray a lot or whatever, if anyone, that's part, that's me. And that's you. That's like everybody, right? If anyone, there's no exclusions there. There's no like, you know the medicine commercials, how they get to the end and then they do the disclaimer or the, you know, the coupons, how it's like 25% off and then down at the bottom with the magnifying glass, you can read except for this and 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 what you figure out is nothing's really 25% off. There's no disclaimer on this. He says anybody. Right? Like any, anyone, that's, that's all of us. If anyone says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Now, we've, we've heard this probably, right? Like, so it's not shocking, but just imagine you've never heard this before. Here's Jesus standing there in front of a dead fig tree. who He just like said, hey, never have fruit. And now it's never going to have fruit. Like, and it's just been a day. And Jesus is standing there and he looks at you and he, and he says, I assure you. And in other words, I believe what I'm about to say. When Jesus said this, he wasn't like confused about what was happening or what he's about to say. He looks at them and he says, I, I really believe every word that's about to come out of my mouth. Like this is going to sound crazy. I know it's going to sound crazy. So before we get there, I believe this. This is not some illusion or some story or something for you to explain away. This is the real word of God from God. And I believe it. And because I believe it, you can believe it. That's what Jesus says before any of this starts. And he says, if you say to a mountain, anybody. John, if you say to a mountain today, get up and just be thrown in the sea, if you believe it and you don't have any doubt in your heart, that mountain's going to get up and it's going to be thrown into the sea. I believe that is what Jesus is saying. And I believe that so you can believe that.
I mean, when you hear it, doesn't it even sound crazy? You could shake your head yes or at least admit that it sounds crazy because none of you are going to Gatlinburg today and going to talk to mountains. <laughs> like nobody's on that bus right now, right? Like, I didn't see anybody leave. And if we believed it, all of us would go to Gatlinburg today and we would stand in front of the mountain and we would say, hey, get up. I just want to try this out today because Jesus said it and he believed it, so I believe it. Let's go. But still ain't nobody called the bus. Because we hear that and it sounds so crazy because it's so unnatural. It doesn't even make sense, does it? How many bulldozers and dump trucks today would it take for us to literally see a mountain be lifted up and then driven, you know, eight, nine hours and then dumped into the sea? It doesn't even seem like possible or feasible with the technology that we have. Like, maybe you can ask Jamie later, that's his whole job is to blow stuff up and then haul it somewhere else. It doesn't even sound possible. And we look at that and we're like, oh yeah, I believe in prayer and I believe in power and prayer and I, I, believe, I believe that. And here's what you know about me if you've been around very long. I'm not a name it and claim it kind of guy and I'm not a prosperity gospel kind of guy. I think most of that stuff is junk and I just, I'm not that. Sorry if I offended you. I don't, I don't believe that's a biblical idea. And some of you are going to go to town and country today and you're going to be like, that's what Jesus says. I'm buying a lottery ticket. You know, like, God, I really believe. <laughs> With everything in me and there's no doubt in my heart that I'm about to win $72 million on the Powerball. I, I don't believe that's also how it works. See, there's this tension even in me in, in these moments of, uh, Jesus, I know what you say, but I don't know that I have the same confidence that you do about what you say. You're like, I can't believe you'd say that. Well, I can't believe you wouldn't be honest about that. Because none of us are going to Gatlinburg today and standing in front of the mountains and saying to the mountains, I believe in God and this is in the name of Jesus. Just get up from here and go. But when Jesus says this, he has complete confidence in this. And he tells these guys, you, you can have the same confidence. And you, you're like, man, that's, that's so audacious. That's such a crazy claim. And to, and to me, I think here's what Jesus is doing. And I'm not diminishing the fact that Jesus really does say, you can say to a mountain, get up and be cast into the sea. And it will, because he says that. And before he says that, he, he believes that. And he lets us know that he, he believes that. I'm not taken away from that. that. That is possible somewhere in the realm of God. And you're like, well, that's crazy. No, Jesus said, I believe this. And Jesus is the one who spoke all of creation into existence. And if we're going to believe anybody's word today, that's the God's word we need to believe today. But I think Jesus picks such a crazy, audacious example for us today because I think what he's doing is he's saying to us, I mean, if this is possible, the craziest thing you can imagine, if this is possible, what is, what is not possible with God? 
Because it seems impossible, right, that I could walk to a mountain and say, hey, get up and just into the ocean. It seems ridiculous even. And I really can't think of like a a better ridiculous than that. And I think what Jesus is saying to us is this is possible in the, in, in the, somewhere in the, in the realm of God. This is a possibility. So like what is not a possibility? Does Jesus really mean it when he says you can ask for anything in my name? Well, if he says I have complete confidence that you could say to this mountain, get up and move and it'll be cast into the sea. And if you don't doubt in your heart, then, then it will be. And I think what he means is anything. He says it will be done for him. Now, as I was sitting around reading this last night, I realized that there are a lot of us that have been praying for things. We've been praying God would do this, and we've not seen God do this, and it seems so contrary to the words of God. Because we read things like this, and then it seems like God doesn't come through, and we have to deal with like the internal turmoil of, I just prayed this, and God, you haven't, you haven't done this. I just, I just prayed this thing, and you said anything, and, and you haven't done this, and I believe you can do it. I believe with everything in me that, that you can do it. But you haven't done it. And, and then the struggle I had this morning is, is really not as much saying, hey, every mountain can be moved. It's, it's the struggle of knowing that I have prayed things that God has not done. And we're sitting in a room full of people that are praying things that God has not done. And somewhere along the line, if we're going to say things like this, I realize that I'm either going to have to wash kind of under the rug the hard truth of every prayer that we ask God for doesn't always just get done. Or I'm going to have to just address the fact that everything we ask God for just doesn't get done. But it doesn't change the fact that these are the words of Jesus. I don't know today. I can't peer into heaven and I don't have a direct line to Jesus today where I can just pick up the phone. I don't know if you have a cellular has reception in heaven and just pick up the phone and be like, Jesus, why did you not do that? I have no idea. I have no idea. I've, I've watched people that I've prayed for to be healed die. I've seen it. And I believed it. I still believe it. I've... I've been there, and you've been there, and we've all been there, and it's maybe an uncomfortable place to be, but we've been there. I've asked God for things that he's just obviously not done. I ask God for crazy things sometimes. Like the other day, I was like, God, just make that giraffe get up over, come over here. I want to pet that giraffe. It got up, but it walked the other way. I like really thought it was coming. And he just, whoop. it's fine. It's fine. That's a true story. I'm not making any of this up. Um, 
I've like walked out on a dock and been like, God, I just want to walk on water today. Like, that'd be awesome. And fell in the lake. <laughs> and that's fine. And it, it sounds silly, right? Because you're like, well, you could throw a mountain into the ocean if that's true. I can certainly walk on water and a giraffe can certainly come to me and the God who made all the bodies can certainly heal all the bodies. And here's the truth today. The problem is not with God's ability to do any of that. The guy who's telling Mark the story that he's writing down is also a guy who walked on water. And we're going to see as you read through the Bible, not only did Jesus heal people, but his disciples physically healed people. That Jesus called people out of graves even, people that were dead. He called them out of graves. And, and we see throughout the Bible there are other people that did these, these same things. The problem is not with God's ability to perform miracles. So where, do, where we turn, we're like, well, is it my belief Not usually, probably not even, not always, I'll put it that way. I think sometimes our belief gets in the way because we're just like shot in the dark. Maybe. Maybe. I'm not saying it's never us, but I don't think a lot of times it's us. I would pray for people to to be healed and they weren't healed. And I, I believe with everything in me that God heals. I would be freaked out if he did it. But I believe he can do it. But I just want to say, like, sometimes that's just not what God has planned. Sometimes it's not. If I went today to the town and country and bought a lottery ticket and prayed, hey, God, give me $17 million, um, and I make all the promises of things I would do if I had it, I probably wouldn't do any of that. And it would probably destroy me, and I would, you know, God knows that, and he loves us, and he's not going to give us something that will harm us. I, I believe that, even if it was a cool story. And sometimes it's just not in the plan of God to, to, to heal people. It doesn't mean he's not good. It doesn't mean he's not God. It doesn't mean he can't answer prayers. It doesn't mean he doesn't answer prayers. It just means sometimes that's not what he wants. And God is sovereign. And, and he's going to do what God does. Because he sees like a whole picture and we see like a fragment. Man, if, if, if everybody got healed that we prayed for got healed, there'd be a lot of people that never got to the place where God got them into heaven. There's probably a thief's mom, you know, on the cross that was saying, hey, God, just rescue him from that. But the place the thief needed to be was hanging beside Jesus so that Jesus could hear the thief say, hey, you've not done anything, and I, I, I want to be with you when you get to paradise. And the, Jesus looked at the thief, and he said, hey, I'm not going to forget you, brother. I'm going to be there, and you're going to be there with me. 
And if that prayer would have been answered and the thief would have never been on the cross, the thief would have never met Jesus. And today the thief might have been healthy for a few more days and a few more years, but he would never would have made it into heaven. So I'm not saying the issue is us, and I'm not saying the issue is God's not powerful enough. I'm just saying sometimes we don't see the whole picture, and God does. And it's a great thing that God's will is higher than our will, and his thoughts and his ways are higher than our thoughts and our Ways and, and, and here's why he starts out, I believe this, this, this story with these words, have faith in God. Because Peter, James, John, these other guys, they're going to, like us, say some prayers to God that God's not going to move on. And if our faith is in magical genie God who has to do everything that we want or we're not going to have faith, then we don't have faith. See, the reality of it is to have complete trust and confidence in God, to sink our roots deep in the, in, in the, in the person of God, to say that I, I trust you is to say I trust you no matter what you do. I, I hear you say, I can say to this mountain, get up and move, and I, I believe you enough to try that. But when you don't, my faith wasn't in you coming to the answer of that prayer. My faith was in the substance of God. So if you do, amazing hallelujah, we're going to worship you. If you don't, amazing hallelujah, we're going to worship you because you didn't change. You didn't change. But what we've done is we've, because we don't want to be hurt or we don't want to be let down and because maybe our faith roots are not down deep enough, we, we don't ever pray anything like this. I say we because I don't ever, I've never been to Gatlinburg and said, hey, just, LeConte, if you could just make a nice little island off the coast of South Carolina, build a hotel on you, it would be amazing. I've never prayed that. The reason we don't pray stuff like that is because we're afraid our faith will be hindered if God doesn't come through. But here Jesus is saying with certainty, I believe you can ask God for anything. You're going you're gonna to need to start with faith, not have faith because he answers. But I believe you can ask God for anything even as crazy as this. And I believe he'll do it. 24, therefore I tell you, or because of this, I tell you all things you pray and ask for, believe that you have received them and you will have them. And I tell you, when you stand and pray, Believe that you have received them and you will have them. He says that's the confidence we got to come to. 
when we pray. You ever notice how Jesus prays? He starts out, hey God, thank you for, and then lists what he wants God to do. Not thank you for what you did yesterday, thank you because I believe you're going to do this today and tomorrow and the next day and, and the next day. He just has this crazy belief, this faith that God's going to do what he says he's going to do. And he can do what he says he's going to do. And you may be like, well, that's awesome. He's Jesus. Obviously, everything he asks for gets done. Well, that's weird because in a few verses, what you see is he goes to a mountain and he says, hey, Father, um, if it be, if you be possible, I don't want to die on that cross. Let this cup pass from me is, is what he says. But what's he say right after that? But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Whatever you decide. God, I believe if there's another way, that you're going to do the other way. But if there's not, let's go your way. And prayer today is a powerful thing. We don't pray like it's a powerful thing. We don't talk to God like it's a powerful thing and for some of us we're still dealing with the turmoil of but I've asked that and you've not done that but it doesn't diminish that this is what Jesus has said does it does it diminish that this is true today it doesn't diminish that this is a possibility today it doesn't change any of that actually So here's what we're left with today. What what is God saying? What is he trying to call us up to in that? What what is the point of all that? Why, why Jesus, why would you say that if you know that everything we pray, it's not going to get answered? Why would you say that? What's he trying to call us up to today? Have faith in God. belief, complete trust in, in God. Not this little God, right? Like this, I'm going to go to church, God, or this, I'm going to learn the songs, God, or this, if the bridge is really good today, lift my hands, God, but like have faith in, in, in God. And in, in not just like he exists, but like in the person and the character and the, and the love and the majesty and the power of God. Figure out who God is. And then have faith in in that God. Not just faith that says, I'll move to church, but faith that says God can move mountains. And as we see God tying all those things together, what we we begin to do is is we begin to, to, to just explore, God, what are you willing to do today? See, the reason most of us never pray for healing over people is, A, because um, we don't really believe that God's going to do it. And B, because if he doesn't, we're going to get our feelings hurt. And that's a struggle. But look what Jesus says. 
It's possible. So why don't you pray like it's possible? Why don't you pray like God heals people? Because what we see in the word is like these guys that see this, these these disciples, they leave this place and we're going to see the book of Acts and they're going to go into towns and cities and they're going to touch people and people are going to be healed. And they weren't walking around like, "Ah, I don't know if I pray over this blind guy and he doesn't see, I don't know if I can still believe in you, God. They've seen God act and they've seen God move and they have a faith that starts in God, not in the miracles. And so the, the faith is there, the, the structure's there, the roots are there, and they're like, God, let's just go for it today. This guy's never seen before. And I believe that you're God who, who made eyes. So, so if, if it be possible today, why don't you just open this guy's eyes? I'm not saying he's going to do that with like every person we go visit at the hospital, but I'm saying there's a possibility there that maybe God's waiting and willing to do it, and we're just not asking for him to do it. What's James say? You have not because you ask not. All I know today is whether God answers or he doesn't, I don't want him to not because I failed to have faith to ask. Some of us, we have people in our lives that we've been praying, or we used to pray, they come to know Jesus, and we got them to church that one time, and they were like, ah, it's not really for me. And what we decided was God's not going to move, God's not going to act, God's not going to save. So we just quit praying. Got a feelings hurt a little bit, because we just knew that was the moment, that was the time, and then it wasn't the moment, the time, we're like, God, he's not, not going to do it. Do we not believe that God is the God who saves? Do we not believe that God is the God who answers? Do we not believe he has the ability? I'm not saying he's going to save every single person on the planet, but I'm knowing, that, I'm knowing today and believing today that God, that there's a possibility there through God. And I don't want to not have because I didn't ask. Not when there's a Jesus who says, I have complete confidence today that if you say to this mountain, get up and move, that if you believe in your heart, it'll be, it'll be cast into the ocean. I don't, I don't want to be that guy. What Jesus is inviting us into today and calling us up to today is we have faith that's grounded in God. And through that, we see fruit and one of those fruits that we want to see is I asked because I believed. I asked. Let God take care of if he does it or not. But let's not be guilty of not receiving because we didn't ask when there's a God who says, man, you gotta have faith in this. You gotta believe this.